0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the Turn on the Jets offseason roundtable. This is the third edition of the 2019 roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And leading off today are Ricky Henderson, if you will, on the roundtable. He's a weekend editor over at hotair.com. And believe it or not, sadly for him, a longtime diehard Jets fan just like us. Ah, poor soul. Mr. Jazz Shaw, what's going on, Jazz?
1: Yeah, a long, long time is the word, going back to like when I was eight years old. So uh, we had our one moment of glory in Super Bowl three, and it's kind of been downhill since then.
0: Yeah, it sure has. We're hoping that this is going to be the year that the upswing begins because young Sam Darnold is in his second year. It looks like he could very well be the answer to the prayers that Jets fans have been saying ever since Joe Namath left the scene and so we'll see if he progresses under a brand-new head coach, and that head coach is Adam Gase. Jazz, first question, Adam Gase hiring, good, bad, indifferent?
1: Uh, <clears throat> I'd like to be more enthusiastic about both Sam Darnold and Adam Gase, but uh, I don't know. I, I looked at who was available and thought it over, and it's like Gase comes to us from the Dolphins, okay? what have the Dolphins done under Gase? We have one coach who just couldn't get us to the playoffs, and where do we go looking for a new head coach? Another team that can't get to the playoffs. You know, so I'm i I'm, I'm going to give the guy a chance. You know, you, you have to. We don't really have much choice. But, uh, no, I, I'm not as enthusiastic as I might be. When they went down the list, I was looking at, like, probably the safest pick, who's already an NFL coach would have been Mike McCarthy. Um, although last couple of years, haven't been that great, but the guys, he's been the distance, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. Thought about Matt LaFleur, uh, because he was both the Ram- he was with the Rams and then the Titans. And he shows a lot of promise. I think he could have possibly stepped up and, you know, uh, done a head coaching job. Um, but the problem is the really good head coaches aren't available because the really good ones Already have jobs and their teams don't want to let them go. So, I also want to ask, what you think about this? I mean, why couldn't we go the college route? Um, because it's riskier. You don't know if they're going to perform in the NFL or not. But you'd have a better chance of landing some of them, and you might get surprised. And somebody, you know, turns out to be uh, the next Vince Lombardi or something. Somebody like maybe um, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. I mean. Would that have been such a terrible idea? I would have
0: been all for it. I don't think Lincoln Riley wanted to come to the NFL just yet. It seemed like he was content to stay at Oklahoma. But the Jets did reach out to Matt Rule, and it looked like there was a good chance that he was actually going to get the job. And then, according to reports, and depending on who you listen to, seems like what happened there is that Matt Rule wanted full control over his staff, and the Jets didn't want to give that to him, so he was no longer interested. And they moved on to their next choice, which is Adam Gase. I don't think that Adam Gase was their top choice no matter how they spin it. I'm like you. I would love to be more optimistic about it, but I know way too much about what went down when he was in Miami. So I'll say this. He can win me over by producing results. That's it. At this point, nothing's changing my mind until I see them on the field and I see what Gase does as head coach of the Jets. He has every opportunity to win me over. And I'm sure you're an open-minded guy, Jazz. You're probably in the same boat. If things go well you'll be happy to admit you were wrong, right?
1: Oh, that's what I was just saying, you know. And just because I'm not optimistic doesn't mean I'm not going to support. If we're, in, if we're in the playoffs next year, I'm going to be like, hey, you made the right move. You know, it doesn't even have to be the Super Bowl. Just get us to the damn playoffs.
0: Yeah, and if he's going to get to the playoffs, it's going to have to start with the general manager doing a better job of bringing in talent than he's done the last couple years, that being Mike McCagnin. So, Jazz, what do you think about the Jets keeping Mike McCagnin? Do you think that it was a good move, or should they have swept him out of here with Todd Bowles?
1: Personally, I'm I'm in the new broom sweeps clean category Uh, in in most things. um, We didn't just get a uh, new head coach. Remember... Uh, We picked up uh, Dal Loggins, by the way, also from the Dolphins, Mm -hmm. you know. And then Greg Williams, defensive coordinator, from the Browns. Are we just only shopping around at places with losing teams? You know, so that's confusing. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think we could have got rid of him as well. Um, The one person we kept was probably the best one amongst the coordinators, Brent Boyer, because I think our special teams was really good. Uh, this year, it was it was a very good year for special teams, but the special teams doesn't get you all the way to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, no question about it. But I will say that I do think Brant Boyer staying, like you said, was a great move. He was the only coach on that staff that I would have really tried hard to retain. So I'm glad that he's going to be sticking around and. As I mentioned, when Gase was first hired, he has now been blessed with some really good luck here as far as special teams coaches that he inherited because he also had an excellent one down in Miami when he took the job there. So that's one thing that he won't have to worry about. i got to ask you this before we move into free agency and into the draft jazz. You said you wish you could be more optimistic about Gase and Sam Darnold. Is there a reason that you're not optimistic about Sam Darnold?
1: Uh, again, like you, I. I almost hate to say it, you know. Everybody seems to have Darnold Fever that I that I follow on Twitter, you know, and people are just, you know, doing backflips over him. But yeah, he completed a lot of passes. Absolutely true. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of those throws went to people wearing the wrong jerseys. Okay. <laughs> at, at one point, I remember seeing a stat that popped up on NFL.com, and Donald was up near the top of the list in a couple of categories. It was like most completions. But at the same time, he was leading the NFL in interceptions by like three or something. He was like, you know, you can be a great thrower, but you've got to get the accuracy down and not take too many stupid chances and know when you got to just throw it away or take the sack or whatever. And that comes with time. Maybe it's going to improve. If it does, then great. He's definitely got a strong arm. I think he's got a good sense for the game. But he still he, he looks a little too much like a college player to me still, even after one year.
0: David Aiken from our website, TurnOnTheJets.com, had a great line about Darnold. And this was before we had any idea that he was going to end up on the Jets. This was during the run-up to the draft last year. He said, Darnold is the kind of guy that could lead the NFL in interceptions his first year and lead it in touchdowns his second year. And that's kind of where I come down with him. We saw so much from him that would make you think that he's going to be a special quarterback, not just at USC, but even last year. Like you said, he did throw a lot of INTs, but sometimes you expect that with a rookie quarterback, and that's okay, but some of the things that he can do, the throws on the run, the anticipation throws, just incredible accuracy, threading the needle, so many things that he can do that we haven't seen a Jets quarterback be able to do in the longest time because he's that rare combination of incredible physical gifts And tremendous football smarts. So I don't necessarily agree with you, Jazz, that he's as far off as you think he is. But we'll see. I'm hoping that I'm right and you're wrong and that this year he's going to take a huge step forward. But if he's going to, he's going to need some help. And that starts in free agency. Where are some positions and who are some players that you like? And we'll save Le'Veon Bell for the end because that'll be our main event. But who are some other players and some other positions that you think the Jets should target in free agency?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm not even really looking at these specific players because a lot of them, you get to a certain level of quality where you can play and be competitive in the NFL and the names stop mattering as much. It's a question of, you know, I, and I think you just mentioned this, The one thing that's going to help out Sam Donald more than anything else is if we get some people for him who can catch the ball, even under bad circumstances. We definitely need better receivers. Um, I, I think our the line is solid on both sides of the ball for the most part, but the defensive secondary, I, I think we're weak there. We're giving up way too many deep plays. So I hope both in free agency and in the draft, they're looking at that and receivers. Um, I, I think we're not terrible on running backs right now. So, you know, as far as the ground game goes, and like I said, the line is good. I think our special teams are good. Uh, So those are the areas I'd want to see him hit the most.
0: What do you think about the draft? What do you think the strategy should be? Should they look to trade down? Is there a player you would like at number 3? Are there some positions specifically or any players that you'd like to target in the middle rounds because we know they don't have a second-round pick? They could obviously recoup it if they trade down, but otherwise they're not going to have a second-round pick. So they have two third-rounders and then the rest of their picks. What do you think draft-wise?
1: Further down in the draft, position-wise, a couple things. I I would really like to see a new young center and on the other side of the ball a nose tackle that start getting some experience and are growing and are ready to step in when we need them because on the line, like I said, we have enough good people, but you take one bad injury and now you've got an unknown quantity in there. So I, I hope that they focus on picking up some new young players that we're not expecting to come out and play like pro bowl players year one, but who have the potential, who have the size, the speed, the physical capability, that, you know, give them a year or two training under somebody, and then if we need them, they're ready to step in.
2: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the main event now, Le'Veon Bell. As we know, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, multiple-time, first-team All-Pro, only 27 years old. Didn't play last year because he held out didn't sign that one-year $15 million deal and decided instead that he was going to bet on himself to go into free agency this year. And this is the second year in a row that a guy who most people felt had no business being a free agent last year, Kirk Cousins, this year, Le'Veon Bell, is going to hit the open market. The Jets obviously have a need, not just at running back, but at receiver, where he is actually a major weapon that some people don't really play up enough because he's a tremendous route runner and can do some real damage in the passing game. The Jets obviously have a ton of money to spend. What do you think? Should they open up the war chest for Le'Veon Bell?
1: Okay, you're probably not going to like this answer either. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) When he is playing at his best, which is most of the time, I will agree that Le'Veon Bell is probably one of the best players in the NFL at his position. There's, there's just no question about it. If he's not number one, he's, he's in the top four or five guys in the entire league. So, from that perspective, you go, well, that's exactly the kind of guy we need to match up with Darnold, right? But I still have these memories. The guy has an attitude. The guy, and not a good one, the guy is a PR disaster waiting to happen. And if he gets you know, in a pithy mood about something. Is he going to show up? If he shows up, is he going to be playing his best? Is he going to be distracted? You know, all the drama. And then there's, yeah, we we got a ton of money in the, in the chest, you know, way under the cap. But the amount of money that he was asking for, the kind of numbers he was throwing around, he's going to blow most of that just on himself. And then we're going to be like everybody else, like, hmm, dialing for dollars, you know, like, you know. How, how much do we have left? Who else can we get? Is he worth that much money for the hassle that's probably going to come along with it? But the only reason I kind of, I could be tempted over the other side, I think back to, do you remember when we picked up Plexico Burris?
0: Sure, of course.
1: The guy had shot himself in the leg in a bar with an unregistered handgun, and we still signed him. But... <laughs> he turned out to put up a heck of a set of numbers. He was still a great player. So I I guess there is a point where you can say there's somebody that's going to be a lot of trouble off the field and in the locker room and in front of the press, but you can tolerate a lot of crap if they're putting up Super Bowl numbers on the field. So I'm not going to freak out. We sign Le'Veon Bell for a Reasonable amount of money, and that's that number is still going to be a big number when you're talking about him. But I mean, there's limits if he's talking like 50 million or something, you got to walk away, you know. Um, he may think he's worth that much, but yeah, um, yeah if, if it's the right price, I could be talking to it, but I'm going to be leery and be watching to see not just what he does on the field, but what he does off the field. And it worries me because that, that can cause trouble in the locker room translate into trouble on the field you know that and if he's not a good team player and he's not along with the program all the time then i can drag everybody down so i'll just say he makes me nervous
0: since you brought up plexico burris i would be remiss if i didn't remind everybody that if you haven't had a chance to listen to our series on the 2011 season where we went in depth with the author of of collision low crossers, Nicholas Dowadov, who had an all-access pass for that season and was basically a member of the coaching staff. He gave us a blow-by-blow, including... Some interesting interactions with Plexical Burst. You can check it out in our archives right now. But, Jez, I will say, I think there are some legitimate concerns with Le'Veon Bell as far as the fact that his teammates didn't seem so bothered that he wasn't there this year. Obviously, he's got the injuries and you have the suspensions. So there's some legitimate baggage there. I understand your concern, no question about it. I just think that he's such a tremendous playmaker. And the Jets are a team that has so much cap space. And is going to have to spend it on somebody. I would prefer that it be on a superstar offensive player who can make a difference and by the way he 's the only one available in that category rather than what ends up happening most of the other times. Like last year, they had all this cap space, and what did they end up with? Isaiah Crowell, Spencer Long, guys like that. So if I have the money, I'd rather spend it on a Le'Veon Bell. But I agree, there are some legitimate downsides to Bell, and it's something that should be weighed 100%, especially with young Sam Darnold here, because the last thing you'd want to do is bring a rotten apple in. And speaking of rotten apples, another guy who's gotten a little bit of a bad rep over the last couple of months, is a friend of Le'Veon Bell's and a teammate in Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown. Talked that he may be available via trade. Also, A.J. Green from the Cincinnati Bengals, who's a former All-Pro wide receiver. Both of those guys could be available on the trade market. You're looking at guys that are arguably in the top five or six in the NFL at their position, a position of great need for the Jets as well. If they become available... Are those guys that you would consider chasing with some of the Jets' draft capital?
1: Actually, I would chase both of them, particularly Brown, before I would chase Bell. Uh, unless he's just coming in and offering a reasonable, a, a doable number or within taggling distance of a doable number right off the bat. And also there's a question, he's, you know, he wants to go to a Super Bowl team. Will he even come to the Jets? I mean, he's made it very clear if he's going to play, he wants to play with a contender, and the Jets have not proven that they're contenders yet. So that's one question. I I think Brown would be a great choice, and I think you'd get Brown for uh, probably a bit less money. He'd still be expensive. But, uh, yeah, I I think he would be actually my number one choice.
0: Jazz, last question. Since you're a longtime Jets fan, I was curious to get your take on this. We know that the Jets are going to be unveiling new uniforms. We don't know when yet, and we also don't know what they're going to look like, although online there have been some head fakes with people putting out stuff that appears to be false, but who really knows? So what are your thoughts on this? A, where do you think they should go with this uniform thing? And B, do you think that it's going to be a success, or is it going to be a major flop and we're all going to be disappointed?
1: Well, my my first default response when I hear this is, I don't care if you send them out there wearing pink, polka dots, so long as they get to the damn Super Bowl. They can wear whatever (laughs) the heck you want them to wear. The best-looking uniforms in the world are not going to make me feel better if we come back with five wins again next year. It's not at the top of my priority list. The only, you know, as long as it's something still in basic green and white, you know, theme, the only thing I hope they avoid is those um, God, kind of, what's that word? It's color strikes, something like that. Those really just eye-burning, bright, uh, you know, floral. I, I don't even know what the word is. You know the ones I'm talking about. Um, all the teams have been experimenting with them, and and they show up with these things that are just like, oh my eyes, you know. Just just don't go that route. Um, if so long as it's just something in basic dark or green and white, I don't care.
0: Yeah, I'm with you 100%, and I've said this many times. Chris Nimbley from Jets Insider and I have joked about this. I don't care what the uniform looks like as long as the team is good. If the team is bad, then maybe I'll start focusing on the uniforms because I'll be in that mode where I'm looking to complain about everything. But other than that, I really don't care what colors they wear as long as the team is good. Chasing a Lombardi trophy is my objective, not looking good on the field. So that's where I'm coming at it from. So I'm 100% in agreement with you, Jazz. He is the weekend editor at HotAir.com. Jazz Shaw, thank you so much for coming on for a few minutes and talking about what you think the Jets should do in the 2019 offseason. For anybody who wants to hear more from you and doesn't know where to find you, why don't you go ahead and let them know?
1: Well, uh, aside from the website, the only social media that I do is Twitter, at Jazz Shaw. So, you know, it's not a name anybody else had taken, and I got in pretty early. So so you can follow me on Twitter, uh, but when it's not football season, you should be forewarned that a lot of the time I'm just sitting there posting, like, pet pictures and talking about drinking martinis. So if you find that interesting, hey, stop by. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Next up on the roundtable, somebody you're very familiar with if you're on Jets Twitter and also if you use U-Stadium, which if you're not using it, you really should be. He's the COO and co-founder of U-Stadium and kind of a pioneer of Jets podcasts and radio shows because he started one way back in the day called Flight 5, Mr. Nick Spano. Nick, what's going on, buddy?
4: Thanks for the intro. I should have you kind of tag along with me all the time. That was
0: nice. <laughs> Dolbin always <laughs> says that I could be his personal PR rep, so I'll have to split my time between the two of you. I'll have to do PR for you in the daytime and PR for Dolben in the nighttime. <laughs> Let's get to somebody who could use some big-time PR. That is, of course, our favorite football team, the New York Jets. Let's start with the first obvious one. Mike McCagnin sticks around. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I said throughout, kind of like discussing even with you and publicly and privately, like, you expected it. You know, I don't think really anybody thought he was going to go. Maybe, you know, there's a debate that he could have or should have. Um, but... You could tell the relationship between him and Christopher Johnson was strong, just the way, you know, and obviously it was strong Todd Bowles and and Chris as well. But you know, you kind of just read the tea leaves as it went along, like you know, hey, whether the the Minish kind of campaign about Todd Bowles and McCagnan rift, you kind of could just tell the way it was going. I know that was kind of late in the season, but the way the relationship was formed with Bowles and McKagan, it was a you know it was a forced arrangement and mccagney didn't get a chance to hire uh, his own head coach and um you know you don't know too many successful organizations that kind of have that relationship that way so um you know you, you can give and especially obviously sam darnold is probably his well not probably but is is his bread and butter like that's his guy that's you know he can probably cut half of his check to sam for for saving his job but i think credit to him for having the the balls to go up and do it. And obviously Heimerdinger who was involved heavily as well, another kind of execs in the Jets front office, but you know, he's the head of that. So he'll get the credit and he'll take, you know, the blame for moves that don't work. It's just kind of the nature of the job. But um, I think the, the strong relationship he had, you know, the, the Adams draft pick, the Sam Darnold trade, I think, you know, those are, those are kind of the, the two to three things that kind of kept the Cagnan here over bowls. And just the fact watching the, the way games went and we all watch every second of every game and we analyze and overreact and, you know, nitpick everything that happens with the coaching staff. You just knew it was a horrendous staff, you know, from Todd Bowles all the way down to the assistant secondary coach, you know, besides for maybe Grant Boyer, who is the lone bright spot. um, And, you know, maybe one or two other coaches who, you know, who you could say, all right, they were decent at their job. But it was an overall, as bad as you can get staff. I mean, you couldn't, you can't really get a worse staff than they had. So, um, you know, there were some picks in there that McCagney can, you know, again, hang his hat on. But for the most part, I mean, the, 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 I'm not surprised and not to be kind of like indifferent about it. I'm just, I'm, I'm eh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm eh on him say. You know, this is a big off season for him and, um, there's a few things, a few crucial moves he has to make. And obviously with the number three pick. If, if we end up picking there, um, it's going to be huge going forward.
0: So McCagnan stays, Todd Bowles goes, which I know you were really, really sad about, Nick, because you were yeah. the number one Todd Bowles fan out there. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, you have a shrine to Todd Bowles built in your basement somewhere. But he's gone. Adam Gase comes in. He is the new head coach. Now, you have had a very contrary opinion to what most people, myself included, thought of this hire. Yep. So why don't you go ahead and tell me why you like the hiring of Adam Gase as the next head coach?
4: I know. It's a big surprise that I'm actually going out on a, a limb alone. So uh, <laughs> it seems that I'm very, like you said, contrary to the the popular opinion. Um, and I guess I kind of feed off of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I was... Uh, a big Adam GaSe fan. A few years ago, during the you know the first first go around and the first the first cycle um, of interviews he had, and uh, he was a little bit ahead of his like you know the the wave of the offensive coach really started like two years ago. I guess he, I mean you know the new wave. I guess you can say of you know the McVeighs and the Shanahan's and and GaSe were were those guys was those guys before they were around. I mean GaSe was this young offensive mind that Peyton Manning raved about that you know, had Nick Saban raving about, and, um, you know, he had a a very good list of people who would vouch for the guy, and he was young, and he was, you know, this bright mind, and, um, you know, so I was a big fan of Gates at the start, and when he got, when he was in, you know, talking with the Eagles, I think he was interviewing, and even maybe the Giants showed, you know, when they hired McAdoo, I think they showed interest in him, and I was like, damn, I was like, we're gonna miss out on this guy for Todd Bowles, you know, we were stuck with this guy, and you know, we could have interviewed, I think it was a year, I think Bowles was hired, what, 15, and then Gase was 16, so Gase was in the 16-go-around, that makes sense, right, three years, I think it was, he was in Miami, yeah, so he was hired, and, you know, he was doing the interview cycle in 2016, he was talking with Peterson, McAdoo, um, you know, I think that was the same, you know, head coach class, so uh, I was a big fan of his then, and when I heard he was going to Miami, I was kind of torn, I was like, I was like oh, like, gosh, shit, I was like, I hope he doesn't become this great head coach there. And I can see it, and I can see him doing well. But then again, I'm like, man, he probably shouldn't have went to the Dolphins because they're awful. You know, the organization, not that the Jets are the, you know, the the New England Patriots, but, you know, <laughs> the, Dol- the Dolphins are, you know, if there's one thing the Jets can kind of hang their hat on is that we're not the Dolphins organization. <laughs> I mean, from, from top to bottom, Um, they're really in the same category as the Lions, the Redskins, the Browns. Um, so, you know, the Dolphins or the Dolphins, I was just, uh, I I never loved the, I never loved Ryan Tannehill one. You know, I thought he was terrible. Um, and I didn't love the, the fit in Miami with the front office engaged because, you know, you always knew he had that little, you know, he was an asshole. Like, let's, let's be honest. You know, he's, he's like stubborn. He's like your modern, you know, the offensive coach, like it's his way or the highway. And, um, but I always loved his. His creativity. I like the resume. And people want to say, oh, Peyton Manning is just saying this, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, like, it's more in depth than that. Manning will go to bat for the guy. He did. He has. Um, and say what you want about that relationship. You can't just throw it to the side and say, oh, he's just saying that. Like, it's Peyton Manning here. You're not talking about, I don't know, Dante Culpepper or some random quarterback just kind of having a guy's back. Like, this is as good as it gets. So that relationship is real. You know, it's not a made up kind of, just say, oh, you know, he's just saying it because he had a good success, or, or like Evan Roberts on fan, said he's a coffee boy for him, which is garbage. I mean, everything that comes out of that show recently has been garbage. But, um, Gase is kind of, and, and what I love bet, like love best about the hire is the Sam Darnold fit. You know, I was a uh, obsessed with Sam Darnold. I just never thought the Jets had a shot to get him. Um, so when I was all in on Kirk Cousins, as you know, we both were, and a lot of other people were last year. I did that with the thought in mind that we would never have a shot at Tim Darnold. I thought he was a slam dunk, you know, locked to go one to the Browns and he should have been. I know there's a, if I say that to people in the Browns, they'll, you know, you act as if you're like insulting their firstborn child, which I, I guess kind of is their firstborn because it's the first bit of success they've seen some quarterbacks in a hundred years. But, um, I like Darnold it is, you know, Darnold's coachable you know, the term, like, he's a sponge, he'll take up, you know, he'll, he'll take in any kind of coaching, and, and it's true. It's, You know, it's not just kind of some you know, bullshit just to say it, but this is a guy that needs to be challenged. You know, he hasn't, and I say it all the time, like, Darnold <laughs> hasn't had a coach since high school. You know, he went through his USC years with Clay Held, who's a joke. So this guy hasn't had a real, you know, head coach or any kind of offensive coaching since his high school days. I don't even know who his high school coach is, but I'm sure he's a better you know, coach for Sam than Helton and Bowles were but I like that that kind of that relationship that they're gonna have. Gates has no problem, you know, calling you out or saying, Hey, you shit the bed here and Darnold isn't kind of the guy who's gonna crawl into a shell and, you know, who's gonna take that and kind of be like a Sanchez who, you know, when you think back to the which we were talking about before the show, Scott, when you we were talking about Sanchez, like a guy like Sanchez and even like a Baker Mayfield, they're you know, the attitude to them is you know, they're above that coaching. You know, they don't think like, hey, if you challenge me, I'm not gonna take it too well. Um, I think Darnold's a guy who'll take that in stride and who almost needs that. And I think what fits Darnold best is also Gates, you know, and you can say what you want about the Miami years. Um most coaches do have success more success in their second go around. So I think the kind of like the like dream scenario where you're like, hey, you know, the offensive of mind, he's young. And usually the second go around for coaches usually is better, not always, obviously. Um, But that second go around, you kind of get some experience. And I'm not sure if he'll, you know, he'll learn, quote unquote, learn from his failures in Miami. Obviously, that's the hope. And, you know, he can't prove anything now. Nobody's playing games. They haven't even met, you know, any of the players yet. Um, But I think the, the tough practices, you know, the game, you know, the game like practices that Darnold will go through. Um, and, and Gase's ability to get receivers open in space. And that's like when you think of Sean McVay, you think like, you know, Sean McVay and Kyle Chandler, you're like, oh, these guys are quarterback guys. You know, they're quarterback coaches. They teach a quarterback how to play the position. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know, you could say the same for Gates. but a lot of it is schematically, how can you get these receivers open in space? How can you make life easier on the quarterback where he's not throwing these tight window throws and living and dying on every throw where it's like, you know, last year it seemed like Arnold had to like spit a ball in this tight window every single throw because these receivers can't either a can't get over because they're not good enough or B the coaches aren't getting these guys open in space, whether it's schematically again, or, you know, coaching them up to, you know, whether it's at the line of scrimmage, free snap, whatever it may be, you know, these receivers just weren't getting open. I mean, we could, you know, the only time you see an open receiver is when, you know, if it was Robbie Anderson kind of blowing, blowing by a guy in coverage, or if there was kind of a, a coverage breakdown but you know I think that's where you see with McVeigh. like you saw last you know, two weeks ago now with against the Saints you had receivers with nobody within five or eight yards of them and that's where you get these big you know plays after the catch and um, you know Gase is someone who who can do that and I think given the right pieces if you know if you put enough talent around and obviously that can, can be said for any quarterback or any kind of offense if you put good enough pieces around you know you're going to be able to make things happen but a guy like Quincy and Nunway is a mismatch, and to be honest with you, the past coaching staff haven't, hasn't really taken advantage of that. Um, you know, Robbie Anderson obviously is a speed mismatch if he sticks around, and then another. You know, obviously you got to kind of fill in that slot role if you can get a slot receiver. Like I think Adam Humphreys is a great fit, um, maybe someone in the draft. You know, if you can get a guy who can get open on his own, and you know, and you can scheme up some things to get him open in space. Like you're talking about some big plays on offense and with Sam Darnold, who's already had the experience in these tight window throws and you've seen a lot of pretty looking ones and you know, you've seen a lot of ones that were, you know, picked off and turned up, you know, turnovers and that's going to happen and that's fine. Um, but making life harder on Darnold in terms of challenging him, uh, coaching wise and then making it easier for him on the field and getting these receivers open is why I love a guy like Gates and obviously, you know, the staff that he's building. In my opinion, this is the best staff the Jets have seen since the 98 you know, Parcells years. Um, not saying too much because he went through some pretty bad coaches. <laughs> you know, head coaches who built some pretty <laughs> shitty staff. But I, I love the way the staff is shaking. I think the offensive line hire is very underrated. I guess maybe because it hasn't been officially announced yet. Um, but hiring a guy like Frank Pollock is a great fit. Um, I'm not sure if he receiver or running back position actually you know, the receiver position was the receiver coach was hired um so i'm not sure what they're doing at running back obviously the login tires whatever i don't think anybody's overly excited about it um but he's basically just a guy if you want to talk about somebody's gonna go get coffee for somebody it's this guy with gase i mean he's gonna be you know the guy responsible during the week for kind of putting things together but um you know he's kind of just a guy that gase feels comfortable with and you know, can challenge geese on a few things. So I think it's just more of a a comfort thing. He's not calling plays. You know, he's, quote, the quarterback coach, but, I mean, it's just a a label at this point. So that's a long-winded answer for you.
3: (laughs) Hey, guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week, with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Case is going to succeed the way that you think he will. He's going to need some of the players that you just mentioned, so let's talk about that. We've got free agency and the draft coming up. You mentioned Humphrey, so that's one guy we can talk about. Tell me some other targets you think the Jets should have in free agency, and tell me some guys that you think they should have in mind for the NFL draft. Bearing in mind, we'll keep Le'Veon Bell for later. He'll be the main event. We'll talk about him after all this, but tell me what you think they should do in free agency and the draft besides Bell.
4: Yeah, I, I I wish it was more exciting. You know, I wish, like, I could say, oh, I think this guy's a great fit, or I think I would love to, you know, the Jets in so much cap space and, and are in so desperate mode for uh, a receiver or playmakers. Like, I wish I was more excited about, you know, the collapse of running backs and, and receivers. I'm just not. Um, I think, honestly, and again, keeping Le'Veon Bell out of it, and a guy like Humphrey, you know, Golden Tate, I mean, how much does he still have left? I know a lot of the guys, you know, we talked, you were excited about, like, a Tyrell Williams. I like it. I don't love it. And I think he's going to get overpaid just because of the, you know, lack of talent in the wide receiver market. So, like, I'd be hesitant to kind of go down that route as well. I mean, he's the kind of guy you get him on a fair contract. And, and what's fair in this market for a receiver, I don't know. Um, But he's an interesting guy, I guess you can say. I mean, Humphreys just sticks out to me just because he seems like a guy. Like, when you think of – <laughs> it's going to be so, like, cliche, but when you think of Wes Walker, you know, in Miami for his first go-around, he really wasn't even used, and, you know, he just picked up right now. I, mean, I think he's a guy with his, and he's already got some talent. I mean, he's already got some uh, decent numbers that he's put up in, in Tampa. Granted, it was a very pass-heavy offense, and, you know, Tom Monken did a great job there. Um, kind of tough in the St. clause. These, these receivers are just open in space with a lot of, uh, you know, fits wasn't really exactly the most you know, accurate thrower, and obviously Winston isn't either, but you know, these guys are getting open, and Humphreys is making plays after the catch. I think he's a guy that, you know, fits that Adam Gase, loves that little slot role, um, dating back to, like, his days in Denver. Uh, you know, Stokely, uh, Welker, obviously, Danny Amendola, Jarvis Landry. So, you know, he's had those guys that can be very effective in the slot, and I think Humphreys makes a lot of sense there. I just don't, I don't, you know, there's one guy that I love and it's a tight end and I'm not sure, you know, if it's really a fit or how, you know, how aggressive they'll be for a tight end, but that's Jared Cook. I'm just not sure you want to kind of get in bed with a 30 plus year old tight end who um was up and down at the beginning of his career and is peaking a little bit late. I'm not sure if that's kind of a guy, but, you know, the running back market, I mean, Tevin Coleman's nice. I'm not sure how, you know, when he's gotten the the quote-unquote bell cow label with the Falcons, he wasn't great. He was more more effective in like a, I guess, like a a shared, you know, a shared backfield with uh, Devonta Freeman. So I'm not sure if he's going to be the guy you really kind of want to, again, get in bed with, with something like that. And then there's Mark Ingram, who doesn't really do as much for me. I think he's going to stay in New Orleans anyway. So it's just not really, you know, your your best bet may be looking for a trade, like, You know, a lot of the successful moves that these organizations that kind of build, and and I hate to kind of go back on everything that New England does just because it's impossible to replicate, but a lot of the times where you do make a move, like let's say you're trading a fourth for a player, but you're also getting a fifth or sixth back where you're not giving up, you know, that pick and not getting anything in return. If there's a guy that the team's looking to move on from and maybe he just doesn't fit what they're doing or, you know, it's a salary cap issue, maybe an A.J. Green. I mean, A.J. Green's been the guy that most people are talking about um, you know, in the trade market. Uh, you know, if you give up a third-round pick for him, is that too much for a contract and for where he is injury-wise in his career? Like, I would give up the third-round pick for him, you know, the later one, obviously, especially if you can if you can sell me on a trade down from three where you're acquiring more picks, I would definitely give it up for AJ Green. Um, but, you know, is Gates going to want to build that system around that receiver that has to get the ball all the time? I'm not sure. I think it's going to be more of a... Uh, get the ball to the open guy, but A.J. Green would obviously, you know, do wonders for for Darnold and, you know, the rest of the guys, and then uh, Anderson, but you know, I would love to see Deontay Burnett get a shot. I've been a fan of his. I mean, you know, watching Sam Darnold games when you put on, you know, put on any kind of game that Darnold that you want to watch, the highlight and splash plays are the guy who we trust the most, you know, Deontay Burnett, and obviously his tight end he had a good relationship with, and USC but he kind of fell off the face of the earth this year Um just because USC is horrendous and Darnold was the reason why they were you know even watchable Um but you know Burnett is the one who he's going to on these third downs or he's going to in the red zone you know back to the Rose Bowl I think he had like 10 catches for 100, over 100 yards so I think he's a guy and you saw it in limited action last year he's making those plays I think it was the last game of the year you know I think he had like 70 something yards in limited action so I think he's a guy you hang on to and you at least give a look. And I hope that they you know, they realize that and kind of fits into what Gates is doing. But overall, the, 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 the group of playmakers on, on offense this year in free agency is just, you know, shit, leave it to the Jets' luck to have all this money to spend and nobody out there this year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there is one guy out there that they might want to spend that money on, and that's Le'Veon Bell, so let's circle back to him. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Should they back up the truck and pay the man?
4: Yeah, simply yeah. I mean, look, there's you know we we talked about this. It's and like I I've, I've been I feel like every third response I get, whether it's on U Stadium on the app or if it's on Twitter or if it's just chatting with fans about it, every third response I get is we have to fix the offensive line. Running back are a dime a dozen. Like yes, there's truth to that, but there's also that's not just it's not black and white like that. Like, it doesn't mean if you sign on Bell, you can't go out and upgrade the offensive line, whether it be in free agency or the draft. We don't, it's not one or the other here. You know, <laughs> you can do one thing and do the other. It's not just like, you know, in, in, in the expression, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But in this case, the just can, because you can upgrade center in free agency. You can upgrade guard in free agency. It's a very, I love this offensive line class in the draft. I know, you know, it doesn't have that Tyron Smith or, you know, that elite left tackle. Uh, prospect in it but I love even the secondary tackles even if there are just right tackles or your interior guys I think the Jets can come away with two starters on the offensive line in this draft if and plays his cards right which uh, I don't think anybody's too comfortable with that but <laughs> it's, it's a very very deep class Um obviously led by Jonah Williams who I'm a big fan of too but you can go out there's two centers if the Jets don't land one of them they messed up you know they're just incompetent you know Uh, there's, there's guard, decent guard depth. I'm not sure there's much star potential at guard and free agency, but, you know, as you see, a lot of these teams now are just locking up these (laughs) offensive linemen before they hit free agency. I love Dally Marpet. I would have been, he would have been my number one target in free agency, even over Bell, um, if he would have hit it, but, you know, obviously they locked him up during the season. But Le'Veon Bell circles, you know, uh, checks off so many boxes for the Jets. It's a guy who the Jets, and I know we've, we've chatted about this with the Curtis Martin comment. I think it was you who said that to me. We haven't seen an offensive player on this team in forever that keeps the opposing defensive coaches up at night. You know, you go into a Jet game, you have nice players. You have, oh, and Nunwa can do a few things. Oh, Robbie Anderson can really blow by you. You know, Cottry is nice player. Uh, you know, maybe obviously since Keyshawn Johnson, even Braylon Edwards, Cassonia Holmes, nice players. Not really going to lose sleep over them. Le'Veon Bell, you lose sleep over because you have to be, you have to know where he is on the field on every snap. He's a great pass protector, obviously amazing running back, great out of the backfield, very patient. He's not a guy who's just going to put his head down and run into a, you know, run into the line. He's very patient. It's going to develop. He's going to be able to do that. That's what makes him such a uh, makes him such a uh, strong player in the pass game. Is he's such a patient runner. And he's so, he's able to do so many things on the field for you on offense that a guy like Sam Darnold can lean on him. I mean, what's the easiest thing for a dude to run for, you know, for a young quarterback is to turn around and hand off the ball, right? I mean, it's so cliche, but it's so true. The Jets haven't had anybody like that in the run game. Daniel go to Thomas Jones, was a great back for the Jets. You know, he's not Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is an elite running back. He's not a really good running back or man, if like, things go well this guy could be really good. No, he's an elite top three running back in the league. I think him being out last year, we're in such a, you know, what have you done for me? You know, lately kind of, you know, you know, world right now. And it's instant gratification. I think Le'Veon Bell being out a year, people forget how often this guy is. He's incredible. I mean, going into last season, he was everybody's number one running back, right? Him and Todd Gurley. Um, Obviously, Zeke is there as well. But, Levy on Bell can do to the, for the Jets what Saquon Barkley is doing for the Giants. I mean, this guy is a game breaker. He's involved in every snap. He's not like this guy you can't get the ball to 25 times a game. He'll be in on every third down. It's just he's a he's a game. Um, I'll say again, a game breaking player who would do wonders for the Jets. And if you work the contract the right way, and it's not this, you know, you're not signing him to this four or five year deal. If you guarantee a lot of the money up front, two years, make it very front-heavy while the Jets are, you know, obviously not paying Sam Darnold or Jamal Adams or really anybody yet, it's really a no-brainer. And it's not that, all right, hey, here's Le'Veon Bell, our only move of the offseason. It's like, no, you top it by your plucking top-level young in the prime of their career, elite talent on offense, which you just never have, and you're signing him. You're not giving up anything. And you're not really putting yourself in any. To, to me, and I get like, oh, you'll say, oh, you know, the he quit on his team, bullshit. Last year, I hate that conversation. You know, I don't buy any of that. To me, there's really it's a very low risk. Like I, I don't see he's not going to be a guy if he's always out of shape. Give the guy two weeks where he knows he has to show up to camp next week, he'll be fine. You know, he was he was dicking around all off season. He's focused on music. He's trying to do other things off the field. He knew the whole season he wasn't playing. He, like he told everybody, and nobody believed him. Hey, I'm not showing up. He didn't show up. You know, he, he's not. He didn't. He wasn't full of shit. You know, he told everybody, "Hey, I'm not playing unless you know." And he didn't. You know, so he knew off. To, hey, I'm not playing this year. Like, you're getting a guy with fresh legs. Granted, you could say, "Oh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, look at Des Bryant. He didn't play. Dez Bryant's 32 years old. He signed in the middle of the season and came back and tried to play. That's why he blew out his Achilles. It wasn't. You know, Le'Veon Bell's not going to show up in you know uh, August for camp out of shape. You know, he's got all off season to get back to shape." Levion knows he's playing in 2019. He'll be in perfect shape for the season. So, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, as, as much of a slam dunk easy signing Kirk, Kirk Cousins was last year for the Jets, and I still think it was, should, it would have been. Um, just so happens we got Darnold, which we're in better, better shape for Levion Bell is that guy again.
0: Yeah, I think to expand on your point, the thing with Le'Veon Bell that makes him a little bit different is the Jets had Brett Favre for a year. Santonio Holmes was outstanding in 2010. Brandon Marshall was incredible in 2015, but Bell would be the first guy since Curtis Martin to be in his prime and be a Hall of Fame caliber skill position player for this team. So... I think that is something that they really Have to think about he would be the First guy since Curtis Martin that you Could look at as potentially being here For three or four years that could Keep defensive coordinators awake At night as you said so it'll be interesting To see if they make a move and go Hard at Le'Veon Bell right now there are Mixed reports Manish Mehta has Come out with a report saying that the Jets aren't Gonna back up the truck for him but That could all be a smokescreen because they don't Want to get played by his agents the way that they Did with Kirk Cousins agents last year who really knows it's all going to unfold within the next couple of weeks and months though so I'm glad that you were able to come on and give your thoughts on this Nick because we talk so much on Twitter and on text and everything that it's good to get your thoughts in audio form for anybody that isn't following you on Twitter or isn't using you stadium and what's the matter with you you should be doing both of those things go ahead and let them know how they could do that
4: yeah I mean I want to go plug my Twitter because I don't think you should follow me I'm kind of a very loose cannon follow but yeah I would you know if you're obsessed with football as anybody who's listening to this you know podcast is and anybody who follows Twitter or follows you know sports on twitter um I would you know obviously download u stadium we're we're tailoring you know we've kind of putting a lot of eggs in our a i basket now and um you know you u stadium is a platform tailored for super fans like us you know we're obsessed with our team we're obsessed with players we're obsessed with the sport um whether it's content like interest around players, the team, lead, certain leagues, certain divisions, certain teams, whatever it may be, um, you know, our, our app and our notifications are great. So, you know, differentiators really, you know, we're going to push, uh, notifications or content to you that our, you know, our system basically says, Hey, you know, our, our AI curates content and push notifies you based on like the engagements and metrics that we, you know, the machine learning kind of. Scott, you're a Jet fan, but you're also a Le'Veon Bell fan. You like or dislike a certain content. Our machine learning is going to understand that. Hey, Scott is interested in Le'Veon Bell. We're going to push him any you know relative Le'Veon Bell information. And the cool thing is, you can open it immediately and engage on it. Whereas you know other apps will push you news notifications. You open, you read a story, and that's it you know, we're going to push you basically conversations so you can go on and you can chat with other people who are talking about the Le'Veon Bell story. For example, you know, it just came at that. The Jets aren't going to break the bank for Le'Veon Bell. A, we don't know if it's true. And B, if it is true, like, obviously, nobody's really breaking the bank for running back. What is the bank, so to say? Is it $100 million like her cousin, you know, $85 million? Who knows? But, you know, so that content you can open and engage with other fans and not have the... The media BS. So you can download U Stadium on, uh, obviously the App Store, Google Play, uh, ustadium.com is up and running. You can use that kind of like an Instagram website as well. So you can access the app there, um, and follow them on Instagram and Twitter, obviously. So that's, you know, I would definitely obviously recommend it. I'm a little biased, but you know, for any football fan who loves talking about their favorite team or players or obviously just the league and rumors as a whole, you know, definitely check it out
0: listen to the man go check out you stadium right now and for the latest and greatest in jets podcasts, you know there's only one place to go that's turn on the jets digital and turn on the jets.com